1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective. 2020 on Vision.
0: Ahead, but we're going to talk about eternity in our hearts. You know, one of the unchanging tenets of our Christian faith is the expectation that Jesus Christ is coming back just as he said he would. And in these fast-changing times, so many people are facing rising levels of anxiety. And for many around the world, these are very scary and chaotic times. Fear makes people react to circumstances in unusual ways. But when we see things that look out of control, as Christian believers, we're encouraged that God has not left us without understanding of our times. In fact, we might be comforted when he's given Christian believers insight into the end times. We believe that in the Bible, God empowers us to know what's coming and why we seek insights into how to respond when times change. Ultimately, we're expecting the second coming of Jesus, bringing a climax to world history. It gets us thinking about all sorts of powerful concepts like events leading to the end, And the concept of eternity. There's a scripture in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes that says, He has set eternity in the human heart. So, a conversation today around the end times as predicted in the Bible, and the idea of eternity and what that might mean both for the future and for our present circumstances. Well, our special guest, the Reverend Dr. Ross Clifford, is a theologian, a political commentator, a radio personality, and author. He's a former lawyer, a long time advocate for Christian values. And today he's principal of Australia's largest theological college, the Morling Theological College in Sydney. Ross Clifford, special welcome along to 2020.
2: Good to be with you, Neil.
0: Hey Ross, eternity in our hearts. Uh, this is something particularly Australian, actually, as we reflect on this idea of eternity, because, uh, you know, lots of our listeners will remember the year 2000 and eternity emblazoned across the Sydney Harbour Bridge, seen around the world, and reflecting on that wonderful word that was written around uh, the streets of Sydney in many New South Wales communities that word eternity written by Arthur Stace. Eternity is something we are actually quite familiar with here in Australia.
2: Oh, absolutely, Neil, and it's a word that uh, Australians resonate with. And in fact, last week, a Skywriter was putting eternity over the bridge again um, uh, throughout uh, throughout the day. So it's something that keeps on coming back into the Australian perspective. And Arthur Stace, I had the privilege uh, of going to Burton Street Baptist Church, where the Sermon on Eternity was preached by John Ridley and sitting on Arthur Stace's lap. So Eternity, Australians connect to Spot on, Neil. Especially
0: in your heart, Ross, a wonderful connection there. Hey, we want to talk about the second coming of Jesus, signs of the end times. I wonder whether you've got some insights. What is it that's front and centre for you in what Jesus taught about signs of the times?
2: Look, what's front and centre for me, Neil, is that we need to see what's going around about us and be ready and and warn and preach and share with people that Jesus is coming back again and the signs that we're seeing you've just been talking about a global apostasy in the west uh, famines uh, africa has the worst famine ever uh, earthquakes wars the unsettling from the pandemic these are all signs that uh, why cause us distress should also be pointing to the fact that Jesus is coming back again, and he warned uh, and indicated, uh, Neil, that these signs are us to that truth that the world will never be stable again until he returns. Now, that doesn't mean I'm saying he's coming back tomorrow or next year, but what it does say is that we are people who live in the imminence of Jesus' return, and we share that to people. And, Neil, I can tell you there's Anglicans I've come across there's people following Mayan prophecy there's people reading the Celestine prophecy, people out there and they're all interested in the last time, so all interested is just the time when God will come back and my fear is I'm not hearing too many churches talking about it.
0: So we ought to talk about it a whole lot more. This is not something that's an add-on extra, an optional extra for our Christian faith. This is part of all of the early ecumenical creeds. This is a reflection of biblical expectation here, Ross. The second coming is part of the main plan.
2: Oh, absolutely. And if Jesus doesn't come back again, mate, there is no plan. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> right. Exactly, Neil, It all culminates in his coming back, judgment, uh, restoring, and putting the world uh, back as it was in Genesis 1 and 2. That doesn't mean we don't work for justice and morality uh, whilst we're here. That doesn't mean that we don't see the good around about us. But, Neil, if the recent events have not made us aware of the fact that we're not in control of history, that, you know, one, one little, you know, uh, uh, spreading of a, a germ or a disease can impact the whole world. If recent events haven't told us that, and to trust in God and look to the return of Christ, uh, I think we've lost the plot.
1: Well, you know,
0: the return of Christ is for some controversial because you can look at world events and you can look at the Bible history and prophecy and and sometimes aligning the two. Someone will accuse you of reading into the Bible those events that are happening today and there's no doubt there's going to be risks when that happens, Ross, but you can't avoid some of the obvious connections, can you?
2: Oh, no, Neil, and uh, Jesus talks about, you know, birth pangs, so it's like a woman going into labor, and he's saying, these signs will always be with you, wars, rumors of wars, famines, etc., but before I return, it just gets more and more and more and more intense, and um, I, I think we need to bear that in mind, that the signs are always with us, but there's an intensity that occurs towards the coming again of Jesus. Which might be a thousand years away, might be a day away. But discipleship is living in the picture of Jesus' return. And mate, when everybody out there is interested in it, I mean, my fearful, I don't want to bag out, my fear is we'll talk about everything else but what the community is asking. And I. Uh, you know, are these the signs of times? What just? Where does this fit into your understanding of Jesus? I mean, Islam has a return of Christ. I mean, uh, new spirituality has a return of Christ. Christianity has a return of Christ. Judaism is is looking for the Messiah. So, mate, the harvest is ripe.
0: You mentioned uh, things like uh, apostasy, you mentioned famines in Africa, Uh, there's a bunch of other things, let's just set a little bit of a list here. Uh, Things like uh, the idea that even politics and academia might be becoming detached from truth, that might come under the banner of deception that is taking a hold, Uh, the love of many growing cold, the rise of anti-Semitism, all of these things, these are the sorts of things that you look for uh, in the things that are happening in the world, and you can connect those with what God says is coming.
2: Oh, absolutely. And there's a shocking, uh, you, which you might have referred to, uh, Supreme Court uh, judgment in America from its highest court that came out uh, just this week, Neil, and that is saying that uh, a funeral director was saying, oh, look, I can't employ this person who is going from male to female because you know the people that are coming to the funeral or coming for their loved ones to bury them just couldn't cope with that kind of person going through transition And the uh, Supreme Court of America said six to three. No, he's got to stay there. Now, it wasn't about the person saying, you know, it's not that I won't employ gays or whatever. I just can't employ someone who's in this process of transition. Imagine, your loved one dies, you're off to a funeral uh, centre to try and get a funeral organised, and you've got a person up front who's transacting, you know, changing gender. Imagine what that looks like, and you're trying to deal with grief. And the Supreme Court says, no, you've got to keep that person on. That's your problem. Yeah. I challenging. mean, where's a, where's a
1: God? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, let's just. Uh, I love context, Ross. So we've got God and his plan to remake the world. You know, we're told in scripture of a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, this idea of eternity that some will say goes beyond what happens at the end. Others might argue that that eternity has already begun, this eternity in the heart. What are your thoughts for that idea of eternity? And and I mentioned that in the book of Ecclesiastes. You know, God has put eternity in the hearts of humanity. What are your thoughts here on eternity?
2: Eternity is in our hearts and we are to live with the power of the Spirit, with the vision of Jesus coming back again and live discipleship lives that are consistent with the vision of Jesus coming back again, Neil. So in our dealings with others and our care and compassion and our working with the world and the sharing of the gospel, we live as if eternity is in our hearts. It is through the Holy Spirit, but it's a taster, Neil, of what is to come. It's, uh, it's, it's not the final deal. The final deal is what we part experience now, the world and we will know in fullness on the return of Jesus.
0: Ross, I'm asking listeners today on a Facebook post uh, to respond to a question. I've got a poll running online. The question is, when do you think eternity begins, now or in the future? And so uh, we'll look to get a bit of an idea what listeners are thinking, a bit mm. of uh, sort of real-time connection there. So facebook.com forward slash vision radio for listeners to respond to that. When do you think eternity begins? Uh, let's talk about timelines for a moment here, Ross, because sometimes people are inclined when they're trying to get the context and the idea about what's happening with Biblical end times, so try to line everything up. What is, what's your thought on having a timeline? Is that a valuable thing?
2: Uh, look, it, it's dangerous as well, Neil. The value is in that, is just in the context of understanding that history is linear and there is coming a conclusion, and that conclusion will find itself in the person of Christ. He's coming back and then inaugurating the new kingdom. So that's the only timeline I'm particularly interested in. I'm not interested in putting raptures at a particular place or you know, you know event, event, event. So does that make sense? My timeline is living life as if we're going towards the event of the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that happened from Pentecost and so that's when I believe eternity sparked in my life and in the church and uh, in our world and it's leading us to that culmination, that final return of Jesus.
1: Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson A Biblical Perspective on Life, Culture and Current Events
0: Our special guest is the Reverend Dr. Ross Clifford, theologian, political commentator. He's the principal of Australia's largest theological college, the Morling Theological College in Sydney. And Ross, we've got you for a more limited time than we thought we would have you. But uh, that's okay because uh, we've got you until the news. After the news, we'll continue to take some calls. Listeners might like to contribute here because I'm asking that question, when do you think eternity begins? Now or in the future? And uh, there are those who are going to be responding there and leaving their own comments and having a conversation Mm. uh, on the side, so to speak, because we can't get everybody on the radio to talk. But let me ask you about this idea of the rapture. Not every Christian holds the same view on the rapture. What are your views uh, on what will be, like a, a capturing away of, Those believers in the end times, perhaps before the worst comes, what are your thoughts here?
2: Look, I understand the variety of views, Neil, and respect them all. Uh, I think it's fair to say, the, you know, in some sense, like the Apostle Paul, we see dimly. So any inconsistency, confusion is in our own heads. It's not in the Bible or, or what God is okay. proclaiming. Uh, but my own belief is simply this, that I believe there will be a rapture, but I'm more inclined to believe that the rapture will take place when Jesus himself returns. So I'm not actually uh, a supporter, although I understand the, the belief of a rapture, say, seven years before Jesus returns. I would see the rapture much closer to the event of Christ's return.
0: Okay, I wonder whether you think that churches talk enough about the rapture and about the second coming because uh, in some ways there are different positions. It takes courage to actually say this is what I believe and I'm going to hold to it and I'm going to bring that in my local church or you might be Mm. part of a local church and wondering why no one ever talks about the rapture and about the second coming. What are your thoughts about churches talking about the second coming?
2: Oh, look, we should do because people are interested in it in our community. And as we talk about it, we help in our conversation, equipping each other to share it with our friends and neighbours, Neil. So we ought to. And if there are a couple of different views on the rapture, then, you know, involve that in your church context, in your conversation, see where you can respect each other. But, mate, you've got to hold to the thing coming of Jesus. I mean, you can't you know, muck around and say, well, some do, some don't. And you've got to hold that the church is going to be raptured. So, you know, let's have the sensible conversation. But there are things we won't give away, if you know what I mean. But, yeah, look, well, yeah, we're big people in our churches. Treat us as adults. Talk through this incredibly significant issue see what we are holding together as a church and go out there and let people understand what's going on I suspect that
0: we might be playing the secularisation game the idea that secularisation takes over an awful lot of thinking on an awful lot of subjects and uh, that even creeps into what we might think about in times about fulfilment of biblical prophecy, Jesus the rapture, second coming and somehow or other we don't want to rock the boat and even talk about something so supernatural. What are your thoughts about that?
2: Oh, uh, look... Uh, absolutely spot on. Uh, the church, in many cases—not all the great churches out there. We started to apologise for things like miracles and and the second coming of Jesus, rather than using that as our uh, as God bless ways of sharing the gospel. We need to stop apologising and actually understand that not every everyone out there is a secular humanist. Many many people are spiritual in Australia more spiritual than the spiritual and this is an agenda item for them so yeah i agree with you mate. Uh, that the church has got to grab hold of this message of hope and uh take it into our community today i mean uh, where are the messages that are you hearing messages the coronavirus is with us we've got all these situations we've got unemployment the church will do everything it can to help and serve the poor and the unemployed but my gosh Let us all remember as a community with a Christian prime minister that our dependency is upon the God of history and he will make things right. As Daniel eleven says, uh, this God of history, he will return to correct all things. Let's hold on to this hope. Crisis is normal in this world. (laughs) It is. Let's take a
0: call from Joseph in Blacktown in Sydney. Joseph, welcome along. Oh,
1: Thank you for taking my call. Good day to you, Neil. Uh, Joseph,
0: what are your thoughts for our conversation?
1: Well, it might be a little bit helpful. Um, Paul, um, especially in, uh, in his uh, teaching to the church in Thess- Thessalonica, and it's a Chuck Mishler teaching that uh, Paul has only established that church for a very short period of time, I think three weeks, when he wrote back to them, reminding them of the things he taught them. And part of what of his teaching were, were the harpazo, or the rapture, but what may help is it's not actually one particular event, it's, it, 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 it's, it's two events. The first event is a rescue mission for the Church, and Paul always talks about that as the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord, if you read Thessalonians very carefully. The second event is considered by most um, uh, uh, trustworthy Bible scholars seven years later. Um, at the end of the uh, tribulation period, is, uh, is a, uh, a, a, a called a military invasion led by Christ, and it's called the Day of the Lord. And you'll see that written right the way throughout the prophets, and it's a military invasion led by Christ. We come back with him, but we don't do the fighting he does, because it's his wrath, it's his judgment, but it's the Day of the Lord. And also, with the, with the Hapats, or the rapture, he does not touch down. We're swept up to meet him in the clouds. But in the military invasion, he actually lands down on the Mount of Olives. He touches down on planet Earth. So that's the two events. It's the, the coming of the Lord, rescue mission for his church, his people. Day of the Lord, military invasion.
0: What fabulous insight, Joseph. Uh, Ross, uh, your thoughts for Joseph?
2: Oh, look, I'd love to be in a conversation with Joseph for about, for about an hour. But uh, he has superbly set out uh, that understanding of the rapture being before, uh, seven years before. And um, I would just simply say there's so much that I would agree with on Joseph, uh, what he has shared. But the most important thing I agree with is, mate, look for Jesus. He's coming and, and you know, understand that he loves his church and he's going to rapture his church.
0: Thank you so much to Joseph for your call, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 You might have your own thoughts on the end times, the second coming, and eternity in our hearts, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen, 316 316 And we'll be taking some more calls after we lose Ross at the top of the hour. And so one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 if you'd like to join in our conversation today. It seems to me, Ross, you can take a simple view and say... Yes, I'll simply say, Jesus is coming. Or you can get sophisticated, like Joseph has done there. And I wonder whether, just because there's some differences in how you might think of the geography and how you might think of a chronological timeline, that these things are already set in place by God to give us a real excitement and a curiosity and an interest in these things.
2: Oh, yes, absolutely encourage uh, Neil people to read chapters like Daniel 11 that shows in all of this God is in control and I think that's what Joseph is saying that's what I would say but be aware the solution in the end is not dependent on us the solution for the hope and the coming of a new world is in Jesus that's where our trust is and, uh, and I agree I mean, I agree. But my concern is, and I'm just so glad we're having this conversation, I don't think we as Christians are talking enough about the fact of the second coming of Jesus. I wonder whether
0: this idea of eternity in our hearts actually is connected with the hope that we have in Christ, whether that's a hope for the future or a hope for the present. And sometimes that hope more realized when we're going through desperate circumstances. But eternity in the hearts, what's what's your connection here, perhaps between eternity and this eternal hope that we
2: have? Oh, look, I think they're one and the same, Neil. And, and, and can I say, look, We just need to be evident, aware that eternity was the sign on the bridge in 2000. It's still going up there now. It's a longing, as you said before, in everybody's heart. And we need to understand it's now, but not yet. It's got a fulfillment in the return of Jesus. And my, my plea is, you know, let's take hold of that truth. Live it and understand
0: it. Live it and understand it. And there are so many things happening in the world today. Lots of things that you can align with biblical prophecy. We didn't even get onto uh, things like the reformation of the nation of Israel and uh, now the return of the Jewish people moving home from all over the world. That in itself is just such an obvious fulfilled Bible prophecy that indicates an end times. It really does switch on our excitement about what is to come. And I know we've only got a couple of minutes here, but but your thoughts here, Ross, when we see biblical prophecy being fulfilled and we can talk about that and say there is an obvious alignment, those are the sorts of things that really get us excited about the times that are coming.
2: Absolutely. And I think the key, To see that and to talk about it and say that they are consistent with the signs that Jesus, uh, you know, talked about in Matthew 24, for example, Neil, and and make sure that we are aware that we understand his return is imminent. But at the same time, we don't say to people, that means he's coming back tomorrow. You know, my favorite saying, God may be slow, but he's never late. He wants us to believe he's coming now, but in his time... It might be down the down the line a bit but we've got we've we've got to make the word. Uh, you know, relevant to to people who are looking at the signs that are around about us, Neil. He's coming and he won't be late
0: Hey, I've got you about another minute and a half here, Ross, and I know we've got to cut our conversation short today and I know you've got some important meetings on Uh, There are some government announcements today around university funding for various courses I wonder whether as the principal of Morling Theological College, uh, you've got an insight or two that there are going to be some effects for people who are doing some studies just a quick thought on that
2: yeah look uh watch this space because as the government decides not to be in humanities and training people to explore a world view that happens opens up more and more opportunities for bible and theological colleges uh, i th- I, th- I think this could be uh, a, you know this could be a really interesting announcement and a new day perhaps in in some of the bible colleges movements and uh
0: well it is a conversation to follow up on when we know more uh, clearly what the government is planning and we know they're taking some actions now in order to uh, train people for jobs in the future and uh, yeah. and that will have an effect and uh, Ross just great getting your insights thank you so much for being available today and I know that there are some very important meetings you've got to be a part of the Reverend Dr Ross Clifford who's the principal of Morling Theological College. It's the biggest theological college in, the, in Australia. Uh, to get some connection there, www.morling.edu.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian
1: Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.